Today's scripture reading is Selections from Psalm 72. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. For he delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life, and precious is their blood in his sight. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruits be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continues as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who, has, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This is the word of the Lord. God. Thank you, Sam. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, as we look into Psalm 72, would you help us to see and feel your love, the love of the Son and the love of the Holy Spirit for us and for the whole world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the country of Honduras, there is a bridge. This is a special bridge in the southern part of the country, not far from the Pacific Ocean. It was constructed in the 1930s by Hondurans and Americans working together, and it was created as a bridge over a river in the 1930s. After it existed for about 60 years, it was apparent that the bridge needed to be restructured, re-fortified, recreated in a sense. And so several companies worked together on this bridge and they made it into a replica of the Golden Gate Bridge, that beautiful bridge in Northern California. And they strengthened the bridge so that it could withstand any storm. They then opened it with much fanfare in the middle of the year in 1998. A few months later in October that year, a hurricane began to form in the Atlantic. It headed over to the Gulf of Mexico and it began to bear down on Honduras. It was Hurricane Mitch. Maybe you remember it. Hurricane Mitch was a category five hurricane with sustained winds of 180 miles per hour and gusts of over 200 miles per hour. It seemed as if that, that, that storm was headed straight for the bridge. Well, the storm tore through Honduras and the people who'd worked on the bridge were eager to find out, among other things, did their bridge last and make it? So they sifted through satellite photos. And as the waters receded and the sun came out, they saw that the bridge withstood the storm. But there was one key difference for this bridge from before the storm to after the storm. After the waters receded, the river no longer ran beneath the bridge. 
The storm was so powerful that it actually rerouted the river. It moved the river to the east so that beneath the bridge, it was simply flat land. The bridge had withstood the storm, but the ground beneath it had shifted and had moved. And I wonder if you reflect with me about your year, 2020, if you feel maybe sort of like that bridge, you've been hit with this unexpected storm of the pandemic, a category five that has torn into your life and into the lives of others. And it has changed everything. And your life is so different, it feels as if the ground beneath you has moved, it has shifted. You're still standing, the Lord is in control, you're still here, but life is not like it used to be. Most schools don't meet anymore, and schools that do have very strict protocols. Work is very different and often involves a lot more technology and a lot more work done on your own. It's very hard to focus to some degree. Our capacity to focus is diminished with all that we're dealing with. And how far out can you reasonably plan? How far out can you make plans? Probably not much further out than 30 days, whether personal plans or plans with work. And I wonder if it feels like the ground has shifted in terms of all of your relationships too. Maybe you find that you're, you have a sense of uh, anxiety that you carry, that you are less patient than you were before, that you are more irritable with family or with people you may live with. It might feel like relationships with friends are harder to keep going. You may feel disconnected and relationships with neighbors are harder to keep going as you're socially distanced from them. Maybe your relationship with the church is difficult too, as, ma as many people are not able to be in here and worship and see others. And I'm sure you maybe miss the Lord's Supper too, and that might leave you feeling disconnected and frazzled. Everything is different now from earlier this year. The river has been moved. The ground beneath us has shifted, and we feel these changes. It's not just something we know in our heart, we feel it in our bodies too, as we don masks all the time, as we make sure we're socially distanced from other people. In our hearts and in our bodies, we feel these longings every day. The people, God's people here described in Psalm 72, also feel very deep longings in their hearts and even in their bodies too. They are, these longings are present with them every day, and they can be summed up with this word, help. All of the longings in this chapter from God's people can be summed up in one word, help. It's a prayer that I think we pray to God each day, Lord, help us now as we deal with this storm. I want us to see two things this morning from Psalm 72. First, I want us to see the longings of God's people. And second, I want us to see the leader we need, the longings of God's people, and then second, the leader that we need. So this psalm here, Psalm 72, is about a king. It's about an earthly king. It was written by King Solomon or perhaps written by someone else about King Solomon. If you know about King Solomon, you know he was a son of King David. And he began to rule over Israel in the year 970 BC. He, re he reigned for about 40 years. And the beginning of the psalm here calls for, uh, uh, it's full of requests for hopes and, and full of desires that God's people have. The psalm doesn't begin with praise, actually. It doesn't begin by saying, O Father, Son, 
and Holy Spirit, you who reign. It goes right into these pleas, right into these longings with exclamation marks. Lord, give us these things. Give the king your justice. Verse 1, give the king your righteousness. Verse 3, give the king prosperity, Lord. Give deliverance and may peace abound. Lord, crush the oppressor. This is not a dispassionate request for some more wisdom so that life will go better. These are earnest pleas for justice, righteousness, deliverance, for peace, for safety. These are not abstract concepts for these people here. They They are deeply felt in their hearts, deeply felt in their bodies. And this plea for righteousness is a plea for impartial justice. Not just justice and help for those who are of a certain race or ethnicity, but for everyone and for the poor and the marginalized. And the prayer here, the longing for prosperity, is not for a full bank account. The the plea here, as you can see in verse 3, is that the mountains would bear prosperity. This is a plea for food. These people need healthy, local, accessible Food. This is a very basic longing of God's people here in the psalm. And then there is the plea for deliverance for needy children and help for the poor. So I mentioned the longings that, that we have. As we deal with this pandemic, we may long for life to go back to normal, to go back to way, the way it was. And we have our longings that are deep in our bones that we feel. These people also feel these longings for justice, for help for food, for protection, and for peace. And so the start of this psalm is a prayer. It is a plea to the Father in heaven that he would give that earthly king these things so that the people might live in safety. These are not abstract concepts. They weren't abstract concepts to the people then. They were real needs. And they're very similar to the needs we have too right now in 2020 for justice, for righteousness, for food, for protection, and for peace. When I was an RUF campus minister, a college student campus minister in Memphis at Rhodes College, each spring we would dedicate our spring break week to going somewhere in the United States to help people that needed help. For several years we went to New Orleans to work with families on their homes after Hurricane Katrina. And one year in particular we went to the south side of Chicago to work with Sunshine Gospel Ministries there. And our youth group here at InTown has worked with Sunshine Gospel Ministries too. So this one particular year, we took about 20 students to the south side of Chicago working with this ministry. And this ministry there had some inroads in the local elementary schools, schools that were full of poor children, schools that were underfunded. And so it was a privilege for our students and I to go into these public schools every morning with open hands to the teachers and just say to them, use us however you will. What would help you the most this week? Whether it's physical projects or playing with the kids. And most of the teachers said, we really just want you to be with the kids, play with them, love them. So we did that and throughout the week, I would sort of debrief debrief with our college students each night. And there was one longing, one need that came up over and over that these children mentioned that really struck our college students. And the need was for food, healthy food. Our college students learned that week 
that the parents of these students needed to take several bus rides across town to find healthy food. In the local convenience store, only open a few hours a day, they could buy very expensive milk and some prepackaged foods. But to get healthy foods, their parents had to take several bus rides, and they often went with their parents to go to another part of town. There's a deep longing there in the south side of Chicago for healthy, local, accessible food. That's the plea and the prayer here in Psalm 72 as well. But there's more here, too. A few years ago, I was taking a class at Covenant Seminary in St. Louis. There were about 15 students of us uh, all together. And it was an all-day class, so we were together for eight or nine hours a day. And on the second day of the week, this young, brash pastor in the class started to talk a lot. He had an opinion about everything. He had a solution for any church problem that anyone would bring up. And in our class, we had people from Pennsylvania, we had pastors from Florida, from South Korea and Australia, all of them sharing different problems they had back home. And I just marveled at the confidence of this young pastor and his ability to solve problems in less than five minutes. He could hear about the most complicated problem along the coast of Australia or in the center of Seoul, South Korea, and assess it and diagnose it and offer a comprehensive solution in in less than five minutes. And as he went on and on and on, and I marveled at him, I was brought to repentance myself. The Holy Spirit came to me and said, Andrew, you're annoyed with him, aren't you? I said, yes. And, And it was as if he said to me, do you remember that was you 25 years ago? Because you see, in my early 20s, I thought I had a solution for every church problem. I thought I'd figured out everything. And I might not tell you out loud what the solution was, but I knew it in my heart. I knew how to fix everything. So as I kept quiet listening to this uh, young man, he went on and on. He was telling a story about a time when he was at a, a meeting with elders and pastors in South Carolina, a presbytery meeting, a regional meeting of elders. And he said, oh, it was great that day. It was wonderful. The room was full of elders and pastors and they were yelling at each other back and forth. And it was great because you know, everybody loves a good fight. And at that point I'd had enough. So when he said, you know, it was great when they were yelling at each other because everybody loves a good fight. I leaned in toward him. I hadn't said anything that day. And I said, I don't. And when I said that, of course, all of the class looked at me and I was surprised at myself because I never talked that loud. And I looked at him and I said, I don't. And tears began to fill my eyes. And I said to him, Uh, I don't love a good fight because all I want is peace. And one of the nice side effects of that is he didn't say anything the rest of the day, but that was not my intention. I really wasn't trying to push him down in that moment. You see, I've, I've heard a lot of elders and pastors yell at each other, not here at in town, but in other cities, and I'm tired of it. 
and all I want is peace. And in that moment, what bubbled up out of me in some part of my heart that maybe I haven't fully explored yet was this earnest, deep desire for peace. And maybe it's not so much in church relationships, but maybe in family relationships, you've had a lot of rancor and disagreement. You know exactly what I'm talking about, and you, you just long for peace. Now, the people here in Psalm 72 long for peace, that kind of peace too, harmony and relationships, but there's another kind of peace that God's people long for. Right now, in Ethiopia, our brothers and sisters are being attacked for their faith. Churches are being burned down. In some cases, door-to-door, house-to-house, our brothers and sisters in Christ are being killed. These are brothers and sisters that we will meet one day. They have a deep longing for peace. And when they read Psalm 72 and it says, crush the oppressor, the oppressor for them is a guy who's two blocks away. These pleas here in Psalm 72 are in no way abstract. They're for food, they're for peace and relationships, they're for safety, basic safety. God's people here long for these things, for protection, for justice. And I want to know right now, what's your greatest need? The ground beneath you has shifted this year in 2020. What do you feel most of all? What do you need? Maybe it's food. Maybe you need healthy, accessible food. And if that is the case, you need to let us know. If somehow you could call the church office, we have many deacons and others eager to serve. Maybe it's just peace. Deep down in your heart, you long for it. You long for it in your family and in other relationships too. What can we do? Well, I think we need to follow the path of the psalmist here who admits his longings and admits the longings of God's people. He grieves honestly here. He doesn't sugarcoat it and say, well, things aren't that bad, or it's worse. I'm sure other people have it worse than I do, or hey, this will pass somehow. No, he doesn't sugarcoat it at all. He says, this is hard. This is just flat out hard, and it's not the way it's supposed to be. Nor does he hide the needs of the poor or of needy children. Every plea here can be summed up with one word, help, Lord, help. And maybe that's something you need to do during this pandemic. You need to grieve honestly, not sugarcoat it, not pass it away, but speak to the Lord. And if you are able, maybe it's a good idea for you to take a walk outside today, to get outside, to talk to Jesus out loud, to share with him your needs, your sadness, and your exhaustion, and to ask him for whatever you long for. The Bible says we're called to cast our cares on him. And if anyone is an expert at taking burdens, it's Jesus. We need only to look at the cross to see he is an expert at taking them and knowing exactly what to do with them. Jesus also said in Matthew chapter seven, your father in heaven loves to give good gifts to those who ask for them. That was the case then, it is the case now. So as you admit your longings, you cry out to the Lord, Be open to how he will answer. He may answer you in unexpected ways. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart to how Jesus will lead you during this pandemic. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your heart. You may feel like you're not growing very much in faith right now. You may not want to open up the Bible, or if you do open it, you may not feel much desire to read it. Your capacity to focus may feel 
diminished and you may feel disconnected. But when you feel your longings, when you allow yourself to sit in that sadness and to put words to those longings, you're in a good place. You're in a good place because you're open to what God has for you and what he will do. We see the longings of God's people in Psalm 72. We also see the leader we need, the leader we need. Now, you know, I'm a preacher and we're all about Jesus. And you know, I'm going to end up talking about Jesus, that this Psalm is all about him, that he is the leader we need, right? But don't jump there yet because this Psalm was written for these people 3000 years ago. And it was used in that specific time too, to help these people and to help the poor and needy children too. The Psalm begins with these longings I just mentioned, and then it shifts in the middle in verses 12 to 14, and it describes what the king actually does. If you'll look there with me, verses 12 to 14, verse 12, he delivers the needy when he calls. He actually responds. He doesn't just listen. He has pity on the weak and the needy. He has real compassion for people is what that means. He saves the lives of the needy from oppression and violence. He redeems their life and precious in their blood uh, is, is in, in his sight. Now, when we say the word king in this psalm is describing a king, I wonder where your mind goes. This is a gospel and government series. And so I can remind you, of course, we live in a constitutional republic. We've never had a king. And there are kings in the world, of course, uh, in Thailand and many other countries. We've not had a king in Britain for almost 70 years. So we may lack sort of the daily familiarity with seeing a king. But I wonder where your mind goes when you hear the word king and a king is described. Maybe it goes to a sort of stereotype of a self-absorbed king in a movie or a musical. Maybe you've seen the musical Hamilton, you've watched it on TV and you see that king, which even if you haven't seen Hamilton, you can imagine sort of the stereotype of a king with a long flowing red robe with a bejeweled scepter and with a heavy golden crown full of jewels who is only interested in maximizing his own comfort and increasing his wealth. That's the sort of king we see in some movies, that sort of image that we carry with us. And in the Bible, if you open up the Old Testament, you see there are many different kings and almost all of them are devoted to evil. Almost all of them uh, are dedicated to evil and have no interest in serving God. And even King David and King Solomon don't bring to pass the longings of Psalm 72. Even in all of their splendor, you don't see in fullness justice, righteousness, prosperity, deliverance, and peace. King David, the greatest of all kings, expanded Israel's border, but he committed adultery. He committed murder. And at the end of his life, he commissions a census because he wants to know how many people he rules over. He begins to put his heart in that census instead of in the Lord. King Solomon began well, but he did not end so well. He had many wives and he allowed his heart to be taken away to other gods. After Solomon's reign, God's people came to one of his sons, Rehoboam, and God's people said to Rehoboam, your dad, your father Solomon made our yoke very heavy, which is a way of saying he pressed in on us. He made our lives miserable. King Solomon is not the leader we need. He's not the, the king here described 
in Psalm 72, but this psalm was used by God's people then. It did help some kings. Some Old Testament uh, Israel kings were able to lead well. Asa, Hezekiah, Josiah, they took this psalm and the Lord's priorities became their priorities. They cared for needy children. They cared about the word of God and they cared about the poor. But this psalm cannot be about King Solomon because we know the story of his life. But also if you look here in verses five through seven in verse 17, you see the description of a king who rules forever. In verse five, may they fear you while the sun endures as long as the moon. In verse seven, till the moon is no more. And in verse 17, may his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. Now this is a psalm that describes the heart of the leader that we want. The leader who rules forever, who brings the kingdom to his people. This describes a leader who helps needy children, who helps the poor, who has compassion upon the weak and marginalized, and who does redeem people from oppression and violence. It describes a leader who comes not to be served, but rather to serve people and to offer his life as a ransom for many. The king of Psalm 72 has a kingdom that endures forever and a name that endures forever. And it says there in verse 17, all nations call him blessed. All nations call him blessed. This reminds us of the promise that God made to Abraham, that he would bless Abraham, make his name great, uh, so that all the families of the earth would be blessed. King Jesus is the one whom this psalm is about. He is the leader who leads so that all families of the earth, all nations will call him blessed because he is the only one who can bring justice, righteousness, prosperity, deliverance, and peace. And in the kingdom that the Lord brings, there are both now and not yet dimensions to this kingdom. Now and not yet dimensions to the kingdom. The now dimensions to the kingdom the Lord brought about uh, in his work on the cross. Through his work on the cross, reconciling sinners and the whole world to himself. And in that work on the cross, he crushed our greatest oppressor, death. He slayed death so that we might no longer be afraid of death. And now his kingdom is here in part, and we join in with his kingdom, working together to bring justice and peace to needy children and to the poor and to hungry people and to the oppressed. Right now, in 2020, we look now for a leader who will embrace these priorities of justice, righteousness, and peace. Leaders who will defend the poor. We look for that right now. We look for that right now during this election season. We are just six weeks away from the election and from voting day, and most, uh, some people have already started to vote. There are constant reminders of this election season and constant reminders that we need a real leader who will embrace these sorts of priorities. You're reminded of this election constantly. You get in the car, you turn on the radio, you turn on the television, you get on the internet, you have conversations in front yards, you open your mailbox and you get mailings. There are signs in front yards that remind you as well. And a lot is happening right now. Um, not only do we have this election, we're dealing with this pandemic as the ground beneath us has changed. Nothing is as it once 
was. There are also political movements and mass protests going on from Belarus to Hong Kong. And we've seen and experienced protests in our country with the Black Lives Matter movement and other movements too. It's a lot going on. How does that make you feel? You probably feel some undercurrent of anxiety, some sense of restlessness, a sense of loss maybe in your year, and maybe even a sense of fear about what will happen with the next election coming up right now. How do we respond then? What do we do with all of this that we feel? Well, the psalmist here at the end of Psalm 72 does not end the psalm by saying, well, we'll just wait for King Jesus to come. He actually calls us to do something there. At the end of verse 17, it says, may people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. This is a call to praise. It is a call to worship. So we read Psalm 72 when we want, we want to embrace the priorities of this king, to care for needy children and to care for the poor. And he ends the psalm with a clear call to praise this royal son. So how does praising the king of Psalm 72 help you and I now? Well, through worship of this king, the spirit of God opens your heart and fills your heart with his love. It's through worship and praise of this king that the spirit of God is at work, opening your heart and filling your heart with his love. In London, England, there is the Parliament Building on the north side of the Thames River. The Parliament Building is sort of like our U.S. Capitol, only larger. And in the Parliament Building, the House of Commons and House of Lords meet, similar to our, uh, our House of Representatives and, and Senate the Senate. And in this enormous parliament building there in the Thames River, there are over 1,100 rooms and over 300 stairwells. It would be very easy to get lost in such an enormous building with over three miles of hallways and passageways. Its official name is the Palace of Westminster. It sounds regal, the Palace of Westminster. Well, right now, this giant parliament building is uh, under reconstruction, uh, strengthening right now. And there are a team of historical, historical consultants that are analyzing uh, every different room and, and every stairwell. Miss Hallen Smith is one of the lead historical consultants on the team that's over, overlooking all of this work. And just recently, she was walking down an enormous hallway with stone up above her and it was a wood-paneled hallway. She's walking down this hallway with a team of people, and she looks to her left, and she sees in one of the giant wood panels on the wall a tiny little hole. And she wasn't sure exactly what that was, so she pulled her team over to look at this hole, and she realized that this tiny little hole in this giant wood panel was a keyhole. So he called the resident locksmith, who fashioned a key for this tiny keyhole. She got back together with her team with a great sense of expectation. She put in this key and turned it, and the giant wood panel she found was a door. So she pulled the door open, and she peered in, and she saw this enormous long passageway lined with bricks. And she turned to her team and said, 
This is nowhere in the blueprints. This is a secret passageway, a new passageway had been found and it was, it was created in the year 1660 for only one reason, so that Charles II would have his own special hallway to walk down to his coronation. It was sealed sometime after that, this special hallway for a royal procession. And Miss Helen Smith now, she was interviewed about finding this secret new passageway. And at the end of the interview, she says, I'm certain that there are more unopened passageways in this building yet to find. When you and I praise and worship the King of Psalm 72, the Spirit of God who loves Jesus, opens new passageways, in our hearts, new passageways for the king to enter and for the king to live in. So I mentioned the Choloteca Bridge in Honduras and how the ground beneath it had moved and the river had moved off to the side. It feels that way this year. It's a very unsettling image in some ways to know that life has changed so much and that life may not return to the way it was before this pandemic. But what if What if the Lord's greatest desire for your life is not merely a return to life as it was at the end of 2019 or at the beginning of 2020? What if his greatest desire is not merely to return to something that you were, but instead is something different, something better for you? A life in which during this pandemic, the Holy Spirit opens new passageways in your heart for the King of Psalm 72 to enter and to live in. A life in which the Holy Spirit opens new passageways in your heart so that your heart will rest in Jesus and so that you will experience his peace. And so that out of that peace, you can engage with family and friends and neighbors and with this election, not out of a heart of fear, but out of a heart of love. We don't have to be afraid of this election season, of what might be decided, of who might be sworn in on January 20th, 2021, because God is at work. The King of Psalm 72 is at work bringing about his kingdom now and in full fruition to come. And the Holy Spirit too is at work in your life as he opens new passageways for King Jesus to enter and to live in. Will you please pray with me? Our Father in heaven, would you lead us now to join in with the work of Jesus, to have his heart, to have his kingdom priorities. And Holy Spirit, open new passageways in our hearts this year for King Jesus to enter and to live in. We pray in his name. Amen.